Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Yeah, I'm at the festival. <laughs> the film festival. Okay, shut up! <laughs> <laughs> Hi everyone, this is Ben MB. It's really weird doing this all by myself. I'm making a voice recording journal from the Toronto International Film Festival 2018. Um, this is Movies IMO. I'm the only film faggot that went to the Toronto Film Festival this year. I'm going to be recording a little something at the end of every day, and I'm going to string it all together for all of you. I hope it's interesting to listen to. Um, I'm here at the end of the first day, Thursday, September 6th. Um, I'm having a glass of wine before bed. I'm incredibly tired from traveling and having two nights of truly awful sleep. Um, I did manage to get to two movies today. I was hoping to get to three, but by the end of the first two, I just, I knew I didn't have the stamina for a third. And um, The first movie I saw, right at 9 a.m., and I got there a full hour early because I was just awake and ready to get going. Um was Asako 1 and 2. Um, I really liked this movie. I haven't seen any of the director's other work. The director is named Ryusuke Hamaguchi. I haven't seen any of his other movies. Um, I believe there's actually just one called Happy Hour from a couple years ago, but I could be wrong. Um, it's a really interesting movie. Uh, it's about a young girl named Asako who is a student, and she meets a boy named Baku... They have a romance. It's hot and heavy. They're young. And then one day he just takes off. And then it's two and a half years later. And she meets a guy. She's now out of school living in Tokyo. And she, he looks exactly like Baku. And they have a relationship themselves. And it's played by the same actor. It's a really interesting movie. It talks a lot about transference and the way that we hold our romantic traumas and they we bring them forward. And in this particular case, we see her just continuing with this relationship, even though it must be unhealthy because it's the same exact physical body that left her years before. Um, and there's some really interesting like, formal elements. It's it's a pretty naturalistic movie, but what's really interesting is just the way it plays with structure and time. Um, I don't want to give away too much, but we go through several years and years of these people's lives, and it's really cool. Um, I wasn't sure. I guess I had a little, like, problematic issues. I don't know if anyone else has this issue that it's not... He's not, there There are other, like, good supporting roles for female characters that are nothing like Asako, and it's, so it's not, he's not, the director isn't saying 
this is how all women behave in romance. But I think he is saying that there is a bit of punishment that should come with this sort of transference. Um, And I disagree with that. And I don't know how I feel about a movie that does that. And maybe I'm just misreading it and projecting. Um, Maybe you don't read it as a punishment the way that the movie unfolds. See it and make up your own mind. As Ann Thompson would say, it's a really interesting movie. Take a look at it when it comes out near you. The second movie I saw was Ash is Purest White, the new film by Dieu Junka. Um, It's pretty great. I haven't seen too many of his other movies. I've only seen Platform, which came out in the year 2000. So I haven't seen any of his recent string of movies um, like A Touch of Sin or Mountains Made Apart. But it is a tremendous movie. These both, both of these were in competition at Cannes this year. Um, there are some really breathtaking images and some really breathtaking editing work in this. And the way that it juxtaposes music and image in an ironic way is that I, actually, I gasped at one point because I'm gay. So I gasp. Um, it has some sections that are just fine. I've heard lots of people say that this is sort of like a compendium of everything he's done. And sometimes he's done the thing better than he's doing it here. So I'm really interested to go back and look at his other movies. Um, Zhao Tao is as amazing as the buzz would have you believe. Like truly she is just out of this world. It's probably the best female performance of the year. Um, this movie is totally not what I thought it was going to be. I, I knew it was like gangster adjacent and I thought it would be more gangster, but it's a lot more meditative than I was expecting at all. And it's really just a movie about pain and love. And I really like that about it. Um, yeah, so I think that's it for today. I'm going to keep drinking some wine and then I'm going to go to bed early. Hello, everyone. This is the end of day two. It's Friday, September 7th. I'm so tired. Uh, let's see. Today I saw first shoplifters which is pretty amazing. What am I? I don't know. Jesus Christ. Matt, I'm going to die. Shoplifters is a pretty amazing movie that won the Cannes Film Festival Palm d'Or this year. And it's about a family of shoplifters. Um... And the trials and tribulations that it that entails and what it means to be a family and what it means to not have money in society today. Um, there are some things that are a little too on the nose. It's not a perfect movie, but it's really moving and it's really accessible. And it just the performances are just really strong and it really moved me. Um, it's just a really generous and kind movie, which is true of all of Corey's movies, but I felt it particularly here. Um, and then I saw Destroyer, Karen Kasama's Destroyer. Um, 
I don't even know where to begin. I hated it so much. Um, I don't think anyone else hated it quite as much as me, although the walkouts were out of control. I've never seen that before. Um, it was like a one of it was in one of the biggest theaters that they do press screenings in, and like at least a third of the theater walked out pretty quickly too, just like at half an hour, and then. There's a big, like, action set piece in the middle, and after that, the there was just, like, a steady stream until the end of the movie of people walking out. And, frankly, I wish I'd given myself the opportunity and the permission to leave, but I didn't. Um, and... Actually, no. I'm glad I stayed till the end, because the ending is one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life. Um, and I saw a lot of people tweeting about how powerful it was. So I'm clearly in the minority. Maybe it's actually really great, but I just think what Nicole is doing is so artificial and nothing about it rings true for me. And she just feels off and it's so overdone. She's doing too much. Her face is twitching. She's sighing and being sad. And there's just so much to indicate emotion in a way that is totally false and doesn't make me feel anything for her. And... The writing is even worse than the acting, and the direction is even worse than the writing, and it's just the, there are just like so many moments where it's like, the thing that is supposed to be in this shot is not really what the focus of the shot is, even though it's clearly supposed to be the focus of the shot, like it's really, it's just shoddy, um, I just think it's, a terrible craft level. And I just think the script is just so pained by numbers cop movie where she's trying to find this guy and we know the path it's going to take and it doesn't surprise you in any way. And it just follows this very strict path. There's a twist at the end and it does that thing of like quick flashbacks where we see all of the, like, the track that's been laid by the character and, like, to show you how the twist was pulled off and it's one of the most insipid things I've ever seen. Um, truly hated it. Um, that's really all I'm going to say about that. Have a nice night. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye. Hey, again, here we are at the end of day three which is September 8th, I think. I've lost all semblance of time. But um, I saw three movies today. Um, The first one, which I got in line for fully two hours in advance, was A Star is Born. And I was super excited for it. Um, It was a little bit of a disappointment. I do. I really liked it. I did. But it's not, you know, the end-all, be-all masterpiece that the reviews out of Venice really made it out to be. And that's fine. Not every movie is actually going to be that good. Um, There's some really good stuff. The songs are truly incredible. When Lady Gaga first sings Shallow, which is the song in the trailer, I really thought I was going to levitate out of my seat. It's really special, and it's just really well done. But nothing else really compares to that in the rest of the movie. Um, The first half is 
really good in that there isn't really much plot happening. And I think it really benefits from that. It's just like singing and falling in love and being young and free. And it's very, it feels very fresh and improvisational. I think the whole thing is pretty improvisational. Um, And then once we get into the second half, which is like really the plot of A Star is Born and One Star Rising as One Star Fades, it's very, I don't know, it just becomes very clumsy. But there's a lot of really interesting stuff, and I think it's probably going to do really well at the Oscars, which is whatever. Um, Next, I saw... The new Jean-Luc Godard, which is going by the name The Image Book in English, which is just a straight literal translation of the original title, which is Le Livre de Image, which I, I'm not French. Please don't embarrass myself. Make, please don't make me embarrass myself, even though I hate the English title. Um, it's one of his, you know... 90-minute montage essay movies, and it's really quite stunning. I've never really liked one of them before. Um, It really... It's an indictment of Western cinema as a whole, um, and what it has done in terms of representation in the world, and the way that film politics are sort of embedded and it's more than just what the content of a movie is that you know most Hollywood fare is like mainstream right in terms of style and that the politic of the aesthetic is very conservative and the way that the violence inherent in film sort of supports this sort of white terrorism thing that Western civilization and the world has been going through for thousands of years and how that has really laid bare in Western cinema. I cried watching this movie. Um, It's really crazy. And I don't think I've ever seen, like... This is hyperbole, but it's not hyperbole. I don't think I've literally ever seen a movie with as good sound design. It's just, I've never experienced anything like that. And because of that, this is, you have to see this movie in a theater. I know people say that, but, you know, sound really hasn't been replicated nearly as well at home in the way that HD video can replicate a theatrical experience of video. Um, But the sound comes at different angles for different parts and different things. And there are, um, contrapuntal, like different dialogues happening all at once. Um, it's really amazing. It's really, really, really amazing. Um, and the last movie I saw today was Jafar Panahi's Three Faces, which won best screenplay at the Cannes Film Festival this year. Um, and I should say, the Image Book won a special Palme d'Or. They gave it its own award at Cannes. Um, but Three Faces is a really nice little movie. It's not... I liked Taxi, his previous film, 
a lot more, but I did really like this movie. It's about an actress gets a video from a young fan of her killing herself, and this actress and a fictional Jafar Panahi, played by the actual Jafar Panahi, go searching for this girl to see if a girl in a rural village in Iran actually killed herself. And it's a really, I mean, it's it's an interesting movie in the way that it juxtaposes these city people with the rural communities. Um, and it really reminds me of Kiristami just because they're in a car for most of the movie, and that was one of the hallmarks of his work, although I know Panahi has done that before, but there is this sort of forward movement that I associate with Kiristami that I really get a sense of in this movie particularly. Um, like, literal forward movement. Um, it's really nice and beautiful, and I really don't have that much to say about it because I've, as I've said on every segment of this so far, I'm exhausted, and this was an evening uh, screening, and I was just tired. Um, and I will need to see it again for it to really wash over me, but I did really like it. Um, that's it for today. Hello, everyone. This is, uh, day four. Was it day four of TIFF? I'm here with my roommates, Sam Herbst and Matt Erspammer. Spammer? Matt Erspammer. And today I only saw one movie, and it was called Burning. I've had a very silly night, so I'm just, this is going to be the most lit that I've been. Um, it's a really fucking good movie. Uh, it's about, well, I'm not going to say what it's about, because I'm not going to give spoilers away. But, it's, uh, um, I don't even know what to say about it. It's just really fucking good. Um, it's about, I guess it's about a love triangle of sorts, and, um, the, it's, it's very, uh, Jesus Christ, I'm going to do this in the morning. I'll I'll talk about burning when I talk about my movies tomorrow because I don't I don't know what to fucking say. We watched video clips of my favorite movie, The Iron Lady, and I've been, I've been laughing for an hour. I can't do this right now. Goodbye. Hey everyone, it's the end of day five at TIFF, um, September tenth. I need to talk about burning from yesterday since I gave up on trying to last night. Um, it's a new film by Lee Chengdong, who I'm a big fan of, even though I just saw one of his movies for the first time about two weeks ago, but I really loved it, um, which was poetry. You should all watch poetry. Um, Burning is really good. After all, all the reviews and the blurbs I saw, I was expecting it to be a little more unconventional than it actually was. Um, I guess the first hour is a little bit more meandering and a little bit more what I thought it was going to be, and then it sort of settles into a very clear, straightforward mystery, which is totally fine. I just didn't expect it. Um, it's really well done. There's this shot in the middle of the movie that's pretty stunning, where I think her name was Hamey. Uh, the, the girl... The movie's about... It's a love triangle-type story, and the girl that is the center of the triangle is 
dancing topless in front of a sunset, and it really just nails home what the point of the movie is, which is that she is in this narrative that has nothing to do with her, and that these two men are vying for her affection, but frankly, she couldn't care less about either of them. Um, and it is a movie that is centered around one of the men in particular, but this moment really um, hits home that these sort of, like, male-dominated, what is it, like, uh, competition movies are about these women really are just fucked up. Um, So it's really good. I'm a big fan of that. Um, So then today, today, I saw what I think may very well be my f- my favorite two movies of the year. First was Barry Jenkins' new movie, If Beale Street Could Talk, which about seven seconds into the movie I started crying because the music is just so beautiful. Um, it's a story that takes place in, I think I want to say the 60s. It's like early hippie years. It's like the transition from like the Kennedy 60s into the late 60s. And it's about a young woman who gets, who uh, finds out she's pregnant after her boyfriend has been wrongfully put in jail and she's trying to get him out. Um, It's one of the best things I've ever seen. I think it's probably just like, just slightly more refined than Moonlight, which, I mean, that's to be expected when someone has goes from their second movie to their third movie. It's probably going to get just a better in uh, craft, even if it was pretty fucking brilliant last time. It's still going to get better. Um, I don't even know what to say. I don't want to spoil anything because it's just so magical. Um, it feels like a symphony from start to finish, and it's just emotional movement after emotional movement, and it's really interesting the way that it, like, has, this is now the emotional beat we're on for the next 20 minutes, and then we introduce a new one, and now we're on this one for another 20 minutes, and instead of, like, the structure follows the way that a symphony would, not the way fiction does, and it's really incredible. Regina King should win an Oscar for playing the girl's mother. I can't remember any of their names. I'm sorry. It was at 9 o'clock this morning, and it's now past midnight. Um, But it's a really exciting movie. Um, Then I saw In Fabric, the new Peter Strickland movie. Um, That is about a haunted dress. It was a little bit of a disappointment. It's not exactly what I thought it was going to be. Um, I wanted more witchcraft than I got. It was mostly about um, the people who have the dress. And I guess I should have seen that coming. But the things that interested me were the witchcraft stuff. And not that I need any sort of explanation, but I just wanted to spend more time with the people in the department store who sell the dress. Um, There was something weird with the tone. It didn't quite gel for me in the way that the Duke of Burgundy gels for me. Um, but it's a really fun movie. 
And it's about a haunted dress. It's very gay. And we love that. Um, so then the third movie to talk about today is the new Alfonso Cuaron. Is it Cuaron? Uh, motion picture called Roma. It's his first movie in five years. It's follow-up to Gravity, which is not a movie I like very much. But I think that's the one blight in a pretty masterful career. And I love him. Um, and this, as we like to mock Peter Travers, this movie really knocked me for a loop. Um, it's just, he shot the movie himself because Lubezki wasn't available. I don't know what he was working on when they finally were able to go into production, but so Alfonso was the cinematographer himself, which, I mean, it's just stunning to look at. It's shot, it's digital to mimic 65 millimeter. And it's just beautiful, and it's about the maid slash nanny. I don't know what her position is officially of a city of a, a family in Mexico City in the night in the year 1970, and then it turns into 71. It's about I think it goes over like a full year or so, and her. It's this. It just follows the family and the woman at the center, and like the family is having trauma sort of in the background, and she's experiencing her own drama. And it's, you know, it's got this upstairs, downstairs element in that way. It's very exciting to watch a movie that has just flawless, epic filmmaking, but doesn't skimp on the humanist themes that it's actually about and it is just a beautiful portrait of these people's lives um and I cried like a baby at the end of it um it's in black and white it's truly stunning I think we have potentially the first Oscar winner for best picture not in the English language this year um just based on the reaction that it got like Everyone, It was just universal. I could hear people talking about it on the way out that this was the best thing that they saw in Toronto. It's just beloved totally across the board. Um, then the last thing that I saw today was Diamantino, which is a Portuguese movie that is just sort of like a fun confection about a soccer player in Portugal who's like... I don't know any soccer players. Is it Christian Ronaldo that we would consider the best? I don't know. Um, and he's at the top of his game. He loses the World Cup and he retires in shame, basically. And he gets into and he decides to adopt a refugee. Um, and it's a satire and comedy. And it's it's the tone doesn't really work entirely, but it's really fun. And the lead perf- is giving is really committed to playing a dumb soccer player who just has a big heart um it gets really um there's this um like government neo-fascism plot that they have to (laughs) uncover it sounds ridiculous saying it and it's ridiculous to watch but it's it's fun it's the guy is you know in briefs the whole movie and he's hot because he's a soccer player so that's you know a reason to see it it's very gay there's a lesbian couple in it too the soccer player i don't want to say what i was going to say because it's a spoiler but it's just really fun um i'm really excited for tomorrow's movies and i look forward to discussing them good night hello everyone
Um, I'm home. I'm doing laundry. I'm enjoying a cup of coffee. I survived. Um, we still have three more movies that I saw that I haven't talked about yet. Um, the first one on the agenda is High Life. Uh, I really... God, I've said uh so many times while doing this, and it's so apparent as I listened back to some of them last night. The uh, High Life, I don't want to give too much away. It's about Robert Pattinson in space. It's the new Claire Denis movie, and they... Julia Binoche plays a doctor who's trying to further human life in space. And Robert Pattinson is one of the people on this crew. It's truly beyond the pale insane. And it was my favorite thing I saw at the festival. Um, Claire Denis is, you know, our greatest living filmmaker. And... If I had recorded this two days ago, when I saw it, I wouldn't be able to talk about the fact that A24 has picked it up, and it's going to get the largest distribution that she has ever gotten in the United States, which I think is really exciting, and I hope it brings her new fans, and I hope that A24 is able to promote it well, and it'll probably be a situation where they promote it as, like, straight sci-fi, and then people go, and they're like, what the fuck is happening? But, who cares? Um, It's just a really beautiful, beautiful, it's not, I mean, it is beautiful, a beautiful meditation on, like, time and space, as she keeps talking about, and isolation and trying to find human connection in times of sadness. Um, It really moved me. It is one of the most technically amazing things I've seen in a while. The she I'm pretty sure there are some flashbacks that are shot on 35mm film and the rest the stuff in the present day or maybe, I don't know if it's the future perhaps um, are shot on digital and it just Claire, she just her mind, she can do anything and she is able to tell stories with these discreet little shots that convey so much information and so much conflict. Um, whole movie lives in the filmmaking uh, and there's only the minimal exposition that's needed. This is probably her most accessible narrative in a way, but the things that happen in it are Typical Claire Denis inaccessible. Um, There's a lot of uproar on the internet about some of the more graphic sexual elements of the movie, which are, I mean, I think it was a little hysterical now that I've seen it, but it is quite shocking for anyone who watches normal movies, I guess. If you are a normie, this might be a bit much for you, but it's... It's a really powerful movie. Um, I can't wait to see it again. I wish I could watch it every night before I go to sleep. It would lull me into a nice slumber. It's a masterpiece. It's it's just a, it's going to be. I assume it'll be out next year because it's not an Oscar play, so there's no reason A24 would push it out this year. Um, and it's already. I mean, I can't imagine that it won't be my number one movie of 2019. 
then after that, I went to <laughs> Olivier Assayas's nonfiction, which also stars Julia Binoche. And like twenty minutes in, I was like, I just after just seeing High Life, I cannot watch a two-hour debate movie about social media where Julia Binoche is like, I. Nah, people, young kids read books on these electronic things, and then real books are better. I couldn't do it. She, uh, God, I'm not saying it's a bad movie, and it was just not the cinematic experience I could handle after watching her like riding a dildo fuck machine in the previous movie. I just couldn't bear it, and I laughed after about half an hour. Then, that night, I saw What You Gonna Do When the World's on Fire, which is the new Roberto Minervini documentary. Um, It was really powerful, and it's one of those things where you're just like, I can't believe that these people trust this filmmaker so much that they reveal so much of their lives and their souls, and it's really beautiful. Um, It's a black-and-white movie about the new Black Panther Party and people in and around that community. It's really great. It it feels very long, but I couldn't tell you what I would cut. It's just it's it's just over two hours long and you can really feel it towards the end. But what is on screen is really amazing. Um we just watch the I guess the lead ostensibly is a bar owner, a local bar owner named Judy in this Mississippi city, and the way that she interacts with the community and they talk about police brutality and how they live their lives and how the Black Panther is an activist group in the area that and what Black Lives Matter is doing, and then we also see. Some two young boys, brothers, who are also just living their lives. And we see this sort of next generation and what they are going through and how America lets young boys of color slip through the cracks. And we, you start to see that happening. Um, it's really powerful. Um, I know at the press screening, before the screening I saw, there were subtitles and there was a, a people were commenting that it the subtitles corrected this sort of uh southern black vernacular into like proper white english and a lot of people were upset about that but the screening i saw didn't have subtitles so i'm hoping and assuming there will be no subtitles if and when there's a theatrical release of this movie Um, so check it out when it comes to you. Um, and then the last movie I saw, which I don't really have anything to say about, is the new Laszlo Nemish, is it Nemish? Nemish movie, Sunset. I was a huge fan of Son of Saul, and this is really just the same sort of cinematic technique. It takes place mostly on the face of this woman, or like an over-the-shoulder seeing what she's seeing as she's on this... Journey to find her brother, basically. It's about a young woman. I mean, okay. I'll front load it with, I couldn't tell you what is happening in this movie or why. 
friend of the podcast, Chris File, who I was sitting with in this movie after, said it's like watching house cats staring at each other, and you know they hate each other, but you have no idea why. And that's really what this is about. It's just, like, fraught expressions, but I don't know what any of the situations are. It's just, like, it's totally incomprehensible to me. And what I could gather is that it's a young woman. She has somehow been ostracized from her family. She is... She she gets a job at a hat shop, and she is related to the owners of the shop, and she's trying to find her brother, and I don't know how she's been estranged. I don't know what her brother does. Someone has been murdered, I think, by her brother at some point in the past. I, it, we're on the brink of World War I in Budapest at this point. I, I, don't, I truly don't know what's happening, and then the last scene is one of the more ridiculous things that I saw at this festival that makes no sense. Um, yeah, I don't know. Can, if someone can explain it to me, please at me on the internet. Um, so this has been the special TIFF coverage of Movies IMO. Um, please follow us on Twitter at Movies IMO. Please follow us on iTunes and give us a rating. Give us five stars. You love us. Um, you can find me on the internet at Real Todd Haynes. You can find Daniel on the internet at Daniel Crook with three O's. You can find Brandon on the internet at BK Kirby. Um, we'll be back on Monday with our next regularly scheduled episode, which is on The Wife. And I'm actually on my way to see that movie right now, even though I don't want to sit through another movie for the rest of my life after this festival. As much fun as it is, it was a lot of movies in a very short time. And I'm still very tired. Um... Talk to you then. Bye. The winner is Jane Fonda. Thank you. Thank you very much, members of the Academy, and thank all of you who applauded. There's a great deal to say, and I'm not going to say it tonight. I would just like to really thank you very much.